are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is, season five, where we are exploring the topic of giving. And you have joined us right slap bang in the middle of a two-parter on how we can give as efficiently as possible. So Simon, where are we up to so far in the middle of our two-part effective giving sandwich? Well, Bex, we knew it was going to take us two episodes to get through all the content. And last time we focused entirely on the topic of gift aid. Gift aid being probably the biggest single way in which UK charities and organisations who qualify achieve a tax-efficient giving system. And we can all partake in it. Even if we're not taxpayers, we can still do something. But certainly for those of us who are taxpayers, it is one of the best ways of giving money to charities of our choice. So let's see if I actually retained what we talked about in our last conversation. My basic understanding of gifted, if I was to explain it to someone else, is that if you are a basic tax rate payer, which most of us are, 80% of us in the UK are in that category, then when you give to a charity, you can fill out this form that says, this is who I am and I give tax. And from that, the charity will be able to get 20% of your donation back as long as you've paid all that tax. Is that right? Yes. I will remind you of the 20% versus the £25 scenario. Yeah. If you've given £80, the charity gets £20 back, which turns out to be 25% of the amount that you gave. It grosses up to £100, and it's the tax on the £100 that is given back to the charity. So I'll give you a 9 out of 10 for that one, Bex. Well done. Come on. That feels like a pretty good mark to get on that, given the fact math was never my strong subject. So we've talked a little bit about gift aid. And if you want to know more, please do check out the episode before because you'll find out far more than my very rough summary of it. What are we looking at this week, Simon? We're going to look primarily at three other systems that exist to allow individuals and in some cases companies we're going to talk about to give money to charity and get some tax back from HMRC in so doing. Now, gift aid is always the starting point because the vast majority of people do qualify for gift aid donations and it's not a very complex system. Relatively easy to understand. Nothing's ever very easy when it comes to tax. But if you've never heard of anything else, start by looking at gift aid and then we'll move on to these three topics. We're going to look at give as you earn, which is also called payroll giving. We're going to look at lifetime and gifts on death, effectively through wills and leaving a legacy. And then we're going to finish off by looking at limited company charitable donations. So this is really the advanced module is what I'm hearing from you. So let's kick off. Tell me about give as you earn or payroll giving. What is it? Who should get involved with it? What does that look like? So the main difference here between gift aid and give as you earn, payroll giving, is that to be eligible to use give as you earn or payroll giving, you have to be earning something and on someone's payroll. So straight away, if you're self-employed or you're retired, you can't use this system. I'll say that with a caveat. 
technically there are some pension providers who let you give using payroll giving. We'll not go into that today. You have to be employed by somebody and your employer has to have chosen to operate a payroll giving scheme. And what you effectively do is say to your employer, hey, look, I want to give some money to charity. And rather than using the gift aid system, I earn this money, I pay tax and national insurance, I give the money to the charity, they reclaim the tax, they can't reclaim national insurance, they can reclaim the basic rate tax, and then you as the individual at a later date go and reclaim the higher rate tax. It's a bit of a faff. In this scenario, you say to your employer, I want to basically sacrifice some of my income. I want to give it up and instead take that money from me and pay it to the charity, please. Does that make sense? Yeah. So why would I choose to do this if my employer has it in place rather than gifted? Cracking good question. And there's a reason you would. And there's actually a reason you wouldn't as well. So we'll start with the reason you wouldn't. Normally, an employer would use some kind of third party, a payroll giving agency to administer this process for them. So when you talk to your employer, it's not them, the employer, who's doing the removal of your income and paying it over to the charity. In fact, the employer never even needs to know which charity or organization it is that you want to give to. It's the payroll giving agency that you deal with. Now, the problem with that is, well, they need to get paid somehow. So it can incur some element of cost. It might be a flat rate of a number of pence or pounds per donation, or it might be a percentage of the amount that you give. And if you are desperately trying to maximize the amount of money that you give to the charity, then actually the more efficient way might be doing it directly rather than through payroll giving. With two caveats, one of which is time, and the second of which is higher rates of tax relief. So... Let me talk you through how it works in practicality, and you'll begin to see the difference between payroll giving and gift aid. So your employer dips into your salary each month, because you've told them to, and takes some money away from you. Well, that's no good, apart from you said you want it to go to a charity. The advantage of that is that they never have to charge any tax on that money because it doesn't appear in your payslip. So rather than paying the tax and getting it back, the tax is just never taken. They calculate how much tax you pay that month or that week based upon what you've actually earned, not on what you've given up. So that's the first step. The tax relief happens instantaneously, at least in your payslip, rather than at some point later on. And that's really good if you are a higher or additional rate taxpayer or a Scottish taxpayer paying more than 20%. Actually, if you're a 19% taxpayer, it wouldn't work better for you because you'd only get 19% tax relief rather than 20. We spoke about that last time. But if you're a 40 or 42 or 45 or 47% taxpayer, that money by being taken out of your pay slip means you never pay that tax. And that's different from gift aid, where you pay it and then reclaim it. And when you reclaim it, 20% goes to the charity and any excess comes back into your pocket. Well, that might be a good thing. You want some money back from the taxman, brilliant. But the charity only gets the 20%. With payroll giving, the charity gets the whole lot, less any fee the agency is charging, which makes it even more efficient for the charity. And if you're committed to giving anyway, you kind of have to just rejig how much you're giving based upon the net amount coming into your pocket. Same result, far more efficient. 
So in those scenarios, the charity gets the money quicker and it gets even more if you're a higher rate taxpayer. So two big advantages, one small disadvantage compared to gift aid. And I guess even psychologically, we've talked a lot about the biblical principle of giving your first fruits and giving first. And so actually, it might be really helpful for some of us to just give that at source. And so that money never comes into our bank account, rather than sometimes a little internal conversation you can have with yourself where you're like, well, it has come in and it's going to go out, but ooh, but just know it's all taken care of instead. I think there's two competing psychological arguments here. If I was advising you in terms of making pension contributions, for example, I would use exactly that argument. Pay yourself first. Pay your future self first. Take money out of your salary. Get it into your pension. If you never see it, you don't miss it quite so much. And the point comes where you just forget it's happening and your pension is growing nicely. Fantastic. The same thing can happen here. Give first. You never see the money. But that sometimes brings an element of loss because there's an emotional and spiritual response to giving money. Now, if you ask any church treasurer or accountant, they will certainly say to you, it is brilliant when people give in a regular, disciplined manner, bank transfers, standing orders, payroll giving. This is brilliant. It really helps the church and other charities and organizations run their accounts well. But if you're the individual who is trying to give faithfully and reverently and joyfully and sacrificially and you let the system just play out in its own way, you might actually lose out some of the spiritual blessing that comes from giving. Now, that's a tension that I think all of us have to face ourselves. Is it better to walk to the front of a church service and place some money in a basket and maybe not or forget or not put as much in? Or can we actually maintain the discipline, use the efficiency the system allows and protect our spiritual relationship with giving as well? That's probably a topic for another day, Bex. Absolutely. But an interesting one in terms of the discipline of giving regularly versus then also making sure our heart is still there in terms of sacrificially and generously and all the other brilliant ways you listed at the start of the last episode. So is there anything else we need to know about give as you earn to get back on topic? I think a few things, absolutely. Number one, we say this with pensions as well. If you get a pay rise, go and review these arrangements you have. What percentage you're paying to your pension? What percentage you're paying to charity? Don't let it slide for a few years and suddenly find out You've had a pay rise, you've had a promotion, you're earning a lot more, but your giving to pension and charity hasn't changed. Discipline comes in again. That's number one. Number two, a reminder, national insurance, which is part of what you end up paying as an employee, both you pay national insurance, as does your employer, they are not relieved. You don't get that money back. So it's the same as gift aid in that respect. There's no magical extra money that appears. It's just the mechanism through which it's done is more efficient. So it's not more money. It's just more money in the right place more quickly. I mentioned before, your employer doesn't need to know who you're giving to. For whatever reason, you might not want to tell them that. You just tell the agency that is managing this money of the declaration, the amount you're giving up every month, where should they send it to? And then finally... It speeds the process up and it makes it easier for you if you're the kind of person who would only ever have to contact HMRC to get tax relief. 
if you're not doing a regular self-assessment tax return, but you are giving money, if you can do it through payroll giving, the money happens instantly, the tax relief happens instantly, and you haven't got to report anything to HMRC because there's no tax to get back. You just never paid it. And this is a slightly rogue question, so you may not know the answer, but how likely is it that an employer will have a give as you earn or payroll giving scheme in place? And is this something you would know about or could it be sitting there and you're just not super aware of it? I think it could be sitting there and you're not aware of it. Larger employers are more likely to have one in place, but it's still not prevalent. Whereas with pension auto-enrolment regulations, which mean that pretty much every employer in the country has to have a pension scheme in place, There are no regulations around payroll giving. For example, my own company, which claims Christian principles, we don't have payroll giving in place just yet. Actually, the way our employees give directly to their chosen charities is just as efficient, if not more so. But an employer might have put one in place. It might be that no one's ever asked them. And you could be the first person who says, I give money to charity. I would like to give it through payroll giving. Will you facilitate that? And that might be a great witness to your employer or your colleagues. It might be an encouragement to your colleagues to give money to other sources. And maybe your employer has some kind of charitable giving scheme they have in place. They raise money for a certain charity each year anyway. And this can tag onto the side of that and say, in addition, we support our employees to give money to their own chosen charities That is great for social responsibility, for letting people see that as an employer, you are enlightened in how you can support your employees in their own values. So that is our topic on giving as you earn or payroll giving and how you might be able to get involved in that. The second thing you wanted to cover today, Simon, was giving through a will or a legacy. So where are we starting with that? What we've spoken about mostly so far is something called lifetime giving, giving during your lifetime while you are alive. But it's also possible to make gifts and make tax efficient gifts, both when you die, effectively a legacy or a gift through your will, or even after the point of death. That feels unusual. And I'm going to need you to explain a little bit more about how I can give after death, before we can move on to anything else? Ah, well, I need to tell you why you might want to give on death first, before I can explain why you might want to give after death. Let me explain. Gifts on death. We're talking about bequests, gifts to a charity in your will. We're not talking about gifts here to family, which is what you would expect to be written in a will. A will becomes effective on death. It's an instruction that tells people, your executors, your family, potentially, what you want to happen with your estate, with the stuff that you own. Now, everyone's going to use a will at some point. Everybody dies. We are still waiting for the Lord Jesus to return, at which point wills will become obsolete. Sorry, solicitors. So most people should have wills in place. Now, in a will, you can make a gift to a registered charity. A crucial element here is that giving a gift to a charity through your will, through an estate, means it's not subject to inheritance tax. Now, let me give you the scale of inheritance tax. According to HMRC, a couple of years ago, back in the 2021-22 tax year, over £800 million worth 
of inheritance tax relief was given. And that's a lot of it going to charities because of bequests made through a will. So it's a huge topic. And just on the subject of wills, I'm just reminded of the conversation that we had with Fiona Clark in season three, bonus episode two, where we talked about faith and finance with Fiona, who is a solicitor. And so perhaps as well, if this is a topic you're wrestling with, that could be a really helpful place to go for more information. But getting back to the subject of gifts and legacies, how do we set that up and how do we do that in the tax efficient way so that we are avoiding being taxed heavily by the inheritance tax? And we've still got to come back and answer your question, how can you give money away after death? I've got a lot of questions. Let's do them. Within your will, you're allowed to pass on a certain level of wealth and not pay any inheritance tax. And to be honest, it's quite a large number. It can be as high as a million pounds for a couple. And that million pounds would include the value of their house, any savings or investments they have, their cars, their furniture. It wouldn't usually include the value of their pension. Again, a topic for a different day. So most people never get to the million pounds, and that's fine. They don't even have to worry about inheritance tax. But you might still choose that you want to leave a legacy in your will, because during your lifetime, you're not sure you can afford to give the money away. But once you're dead, you don't need it anymore. And you might decide, well, I want to make sure that I'm leaving provision for charities that are close to my heart, to the church that I'm part of, to an organization that cared for me or a family member during my later life. All great reasons to leave bequests. And we know that many charities receive a lot of their income through these kinds of bequests. So again, it's being a deliberate giver. If it saves tax, brilliant. Now, there's a great little rule. If you happen to have a larger estate, and I'll point out that if you are a married person, most people will pass all their wealth from wife to husband or husband to wife on the first death, when the first one of them dies. So the second person ends up with the whole estate, the whole house, all the wealth. And if you have got to the point where that whole wealth is exceeding a million pounds, and there are some reasons why it's not even that high then giving money to charity can actually save you inheritance tax. Not only are you not paying inheritance tax on the bit that goes to charity, but HMRC have put in place this interesting rule which says if you give away more than 10% of your net estate, and there's a conversation to be had, what does that mean? If you give more than 10% away, they will reduce the rate of inheritance tax you pay on everything that you haven't given away. Normally, it's 40%. You get a 10% bonus discount. That's 10% of the 40%, which is 4%. So it comes down to 36%. And for some people, if they were going to give away 8 or 9% anyway, to give away just a bit extra or make it 10%, suddenly their tax bill for their beneficiaries actually comes down. So if you're in that position, well worth a conversation with a friendly solicitor. Seems like HMRC realised that you also can't take it with you and are helping to facilitate that, which is lovely. So back to the initial question, how do I give after death? What does that look like? Okay, so as an individual, you might realise it's good to give. If you are an executor of an estate, so you're managing somebody else's estate, and the estate's being distributed to the beneficiaries Often it's children or grandchildren, but it could be friends. It could be anybody really in the estate. And those beneficiaries realize there is an advantage to be had 
by giving money to charity, or those beneficiaries just think to themselves, I don't need all this money, I want to give some to charity, they can elect to use something called a deed of variation, a deed of variation. And what it means is the beneficiaries can agree to rewrite the will within two years of that person dying. And that might be to save tax, so they're all better off, or to distribute the estate in different proportions. And that proportion could include a gift to charity, which means even after your death, your will can be rewritten and money given to charity. And I guess within all of this, when planning for end of life, it's worth considering, should we keep all our money until that point? Or actually, could there be people or charities in our life which we are in a financial position to give to now? And that maybe for us, actually, there's more joy and more satisfaction in giving that money now and being able to see where that goes than waiting until we are no longer here. I am a huge fan, Bex, of pushing gifts into lifetime rather than just in the will. But for many people, they don't know how much they can afford to give and you can't give the value of your house. But a practical point, if your estate is less than a million pounds or whatever your personal inheritance tax threshold is, you might need to go digging online to find out what the answer is. But you are an income taxpayer. If you give money during your lifetime through gift aid, for example, you will save income tax and you'll get money back from the tax man. If you wait until you're dead and you've got no tax to pay, there's no tax to be gained. So sometimes there's a practical reason to make gifts before death as well. And so I've got one final way of giving to ask you about before we then maybe get into some more general principles about how we give, which is I've heard you can give through limited company donations. Can you explain that a little bit? What does that look like? Right. So if you have a limited company, you can choose to give money straight from the company to a charity gross, no tax deducted, no tax payable. It effectively becomes a deductible business expense is the terminology. And you don't pay corporation tax, pay by corporations, not individuals. And so the charity gets the money entirely straight away. Very simple, very straightforward process. And so you're giving directly from a company. If I work for a limited company, can I then ask my employer to give for me and take advantage of that? Actually, you can't, apart from through something like that payroll giving. And the reason is because you end up avoiding not just paying tax, but also national insurance. So one of the main advantages of something like salary sacrifice into pension is exactly that. You avoid paying tax and you avoid paying national insurance. You give up some money and instead your employer puts it straight into your pension. Brilliant. HMRC approved tax avoidance system. The same thing with charitable donations is tax evasion. You can't give up salary and ask your employer to put it into a charitable cause for you because you will have avoided paying national insurance. Now, if you own your own limited company and you have complete control and discretion of how you pay yourself, a salary or dividends or pension, you can choose that the company wants to give money to charity and the company goes ahead and does so. Very straightforward. But then you have less money in the company to pay yourself in the future. There's less profit, basically, and that's why there's less tax to pay. So whilst it's a very efficient way of giving money, and if you do own your own limited company, I would certainly encourage you to either speak to your accountant or go online and find out how to give money from that company 
it's far better than making personal donations. But if you're an employee of a limited company, you have to do it through payroll giving or through gift aid. Okay, so we've covered those three more advanced or unusual ways to give money. But I've got two really quick things that I'd love your perspective on in terms of how to give effectively and efficiently. So the first one is, should I be giving one-off gifts or should I be giving regularly? Which is more effective? Pros and cons to both of those. So I like the discipline of giving regularly. And we've spoken in the past about how maybe it improves accountability between you and your charitable partner. But sometimes you get trapped almost into the behavior of giving and you might find it hard to stop giving to a cause because they need your money, but you want to divert it somewhere else. In that case, one-off gifts work better. And I know that you spoke in the past around when you make commitments to give, you choose, is this something I'm going to give regularly to or am I prepared to make a one-off and not commit on an ongoing basis? Both have huge value. I think everybody should do a bit of both of them. If you only ever gave on an ad hoc basis, I would say you're missing out on some of the discipline and the joy of giving. And you're making it actually harder for those charitable partners to plan their own financial futures and therefore do the best work that they can. And then my second thing I would love to hear your thoughts on is that so often in any area of our life, when we bring someone else into that and when we bring a kind of external perspective and accountability, it helps us to do something more effectively or more efficiently partly just because we know someone's going to ask us about that and we're going to have to have an answer to them. So how do you think we can model that or do that on the topic of giving, especially when it feels like money can be a little bit of an awkward or taboo topic in society? There are so many ways in which accountability can be brought into the giving conversation. At one level, you want to hold your charity partners accountable for the money that you're giving them depends on how much and how often you're giving, but you might want some feedback from them. And that ability to retain the right to change your mind one day and say, I'm stopping giving to you, I'm I'm giving to somebody else. Then we have accountability with family members, for example. If you are running joint financial affairs, it only makes sense to discuss your giving decisions alongside their giving decisions and the joint finances that you're running. It would be quite reckless to give all the money away that was going to be spent on food or a holiday or a car. So do have those open conversations. Giving is a great way of seeing into people's hearts and motivation. But like you said, Bex, also encouraging and challenging them. And then maybe making yourself open to accountability with other people. How much should I give? Well, there's a great topic for a future episode. Who shall I give to? How often? Only by having those conversations, and we had some great conversations about money in the last season, Bex, Do you begin to really understand what you feel about a topic? And maybe your own perspective is a little bit skewed by family upbringing, by personal experience, by those you've lived around. And if you want to get that broadest and hopefully most godly spirit guided principle of giving, I think that having accountable conversations with people, not every week, but from time to time, can really help us all get to the best outcome for us for those charities, but also for our relationship with God. And ultimately, that's what we're all aiming for. Is there anything else you want to throw out about how to give before we wrap up this two-parter? 
I think we've covered all the main elements. There's lots more that could be touched on, but it will affect so few people. Let's come back in our future episodes and find out other aspects of giving that might add value to people. And then we'll see if we can squeeze any more into those. Looking forward to it. So we will speak to you next time on Where Your Treasure Is, when we're going to be looking at who do we give to. If you want to ask any questions of us for this season or future seasons, feel free to send us an email. It's whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or send us an Instagram message at whereyourtreasureispodcast. We look forward to speaking to you over the airwaves next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go. Thank you.